other three, which deal with the body, the emotive effects, and the (coughs) mind itself. So you have the kaya, the bodily effects, then the particular resonances and effects that are occurring in the citta, citta sankaras, kind of dynamics of volition and impulse and mood and perceptions. And then uh, citta itself, which is, I'd say, the kind of that which can be affected. It's, it's a, so it's something that you begin to discern through contemplating the the effects, the mood swings and so forth. What is it that is affected? And at times when a, <coughs> a mood subsides, there's this kind of quality of stillness or silence that's there, and you, it's not dead; it's alive. At the moment, the, the string of resonance, if you like, is stop resounding or quieten down. And uh, to really know the difference between the citta, the mind or the heart, and the moods and the ramanas that go along with it is very important because it's not like we're trying to eliminate um, resonance or, you know, that, that sensitivity um, so quietening down, quietening the, quietening the citta sankara doesn't mean throttling sensitivity, but particular kind of attunement, um, which is in terms both of calm and concentration, which in a way helps you to to both soothe some of the effects and penetrate beneath them or through them the more you calm down the more actually the surface gets of the mind gets less um, volatile and agitated you can see what you can see through it so uh, calm and samadhi in that sense helps to give us a, a awareness or recognition of the mind the heart Sometimes this chitta is just called the knowing because it's, you know, using that term, it's a kind of um, attunement. Knowing can sound like it's some kind of intellectual experience, unfortunately. Um, but it, it's awareness itself, sometimes something like that, just the awareness. Um, Chitta. And the other um, thing that helps us to, or practice, or the way that practice works, is through insight, just <coughs> contemplating or understanding, uh, the, sensing the, the the nature of of effects. They're, they're arising and passing. So when you when we're able to attune to that, we get less uh, reactive because um, a mood no longer has the same intensity to it. it. It is allowed to arise and subside. It hasn't got the same punch, so you don't get the the reactions. Therefore, you don't get the 
further agitations, it's like you drop a stone into the water, you get the ripple, and then the ripple subsides. But <coughs> if every time you drop a stone in the water, that splash creates more ripples and more ripples and more, you don't really see the subsiding. Mm, so it's important to to be able to f- sense the whole kind of arising and subsiding of effects. Then one becomes more dispassionate towards them. And the more dispassionate it is, the more that leads to the the quietening or the stopping of this uh, of the turmoil. So then you begin to see or realize the quality of awareness itself. Uh, and then there is a, there's like a shift to of um, center to the awareness rather than the effect. So often our, our unconscious patterning of what we sense ourselves as being is all the various effects, the moods, the pains, the pleasures, the joys, the excitement, the, those tendencies, my patterns are this, you know, I get grief or despair or happiness or this kind of thing. We very much familiarize, familiar with those experiences. So those are the things that concern us um, for good and for bad. We get depressed by them or fond of them, um, try to feed them sometimes. You're not getting enough of the kind of happy effects. You need to stoke it up a bit or, um, you know, or get irritated or get despairing about the negative effects. I'm so kind of tetchy or not very joyful or something. So, you know, we associate and identify with these uh, particular effects themselves. Uh, and then that, that causes, uh, makes us very vulnerable, very much out there, because the world of effects is, is connected to situations around us, uh, as well as situations, you might say, within us. So we love to get quite spun out and, uh, you know, I mean, it can be quite pleasant at times, of course, but then it can also be unpleasant and either way it's not, it doesn't deepen very much. You don't really recognize awareness itself or feel that's the most important thing. The most important thing is to have, be happy and then... You know, it depends how you to qualify happiness, really. But um, you know, it's a choice. There, there is happiness in the worldly sense. It's quite, it could be quite bright, uh, fun, and so forth. But it, it, you do pay the price of losing it <laughs> and getting uh, knocked around. And then there's happiness in another sense, which is just relief and um, ease. Uh, which is is not so exciting, but it's steadier. This is <coughs> awareness itself. It's like this.
you know, we, we contemplate the the fourth tetrad is is um, to do begins with this understanding of, of or contemplating impermanence, and so if we it's literally the the terms are anicca nupasi in viraga nupasi niroda nupasi vasaga nupasi. So this is um, nupasi pasi is seeing. So it, anupasi means like something like along with or together with or in terms of. So we're seeing in terms of, with reference to um, impermanence. So obviously you can't see impermanence, you see something is impermanent, so you, you see the body in reference to impermanence, or you see feelings or whatever. Viraga, dispassion or fading. So if it's a bodily experience, <coughs> you see it as having the nature to, to fade, to, to shift and change and tend towards um, settling. Uh, so it, it gives you a sense of the how how uh, things tend to to quieten or fade. And if it's more an emotional one, it experiences one of dispassion. The fading of passion is called dispassion. So you can look at it either of those ways. In the role of the stopping, we, we're able to see when the, the particular effect stops and there's less, less input into that and this particularly in the case of the, the mind because the mind is internal so it's, it self-generates it generates its own effects the body is very much affected by you know um, external uh, things pleasure, pain and so forth the mind is affected only by its own moods and feelings, which it derives, of course, from thoughts and sights and so on. But it really only affected by those perceptions and feelings, those interpretations and significances, those meanings and values, and the feelings of sadness, depression, joy, elation that come from it. So it's, it's in that. So it's really producing its own things you know to be disturbed by it's tr- not not saying it's not triggered by external things but but one one is able to uh, really contemplate mind mental uh, effects as they are and perceptions and feelings as they are and recognize that they're they're not um, their interpretation of events, they're not the actual external event. Then we can get some leverage over it. As long as we really believe the perceptions and feelings are accurate representations of what's happening out there, then, you know, we, we don't, we don't attend to them. But it is possible for those to, to, if you attend to them as they are, that's the effect rather than the trigger. 
you know, the trigger may be somebody you know, drops a dinner plate, and that is true. You know, definitely dinner plate drops on the ground and goes bang. But the the perception can be, you know, clumsy. People never do this on right. You know, that's 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 the perception, isn't it? You just all you really know, one like external is what you see with your eyes. You know, the dinner plate hits the ground and crash. The rest of it is interpretations. So, and we probably, you know, you might be able to recognize as you contemplate um, the way we're affected, how the way we interpret things actually itself depends on uh, other features other than the external event. Like if I'm feeling, uh, you know, you know, upset or nervous or irritable or something, then suddenly the world seems to be full of, of insensitive people. <laughs> you know, it's like that. Um, we see that particular feature appears. If I'm feeling in you know, a kind of relaxed, positive state, then somehow things don't have a different, don't, don't get interpreted in that way. So there's a lot there in, in perception and, and mental perception and feeling to work with. And it's all true, of course, you know, people and events are wrong and painful and uh, heedless and they're also well-intentioned and um, and so forth. It's, it depends which, you know, how it... Uh, but to recognize there's also an internal base for the arising of uh, perceptions of Ramanas that you can actually uh, have some say over. And part of that, the external thing, certainly, you know, one looks towards ways of of um, living in lifestyle that's that's skillful. But internal base is something we we massage with meditation, particularly anapanasati, because that deals very much with the tones of the body and the mind. If we're less um, dull or flat internally in a bodily tone, a mental tone, then things affect us in a different way. If we're not so tight or tense, things affect us in a different way. Therefore, it changes the nature of the perceptions that occur. Actually, <clears throat> calm and, and insight, when one uses two words, it automatically sets them apart. And uh, it's often talked about in that way as if the, you do some calm, then you do some insight, or you don't bother with calm and do insight, or you wait a few years <coughs> before you do insight and only do calm, or this, that, and the other. The only um, reference the Buddha makes to them is to, make, is to keep them together. 
So they're like two oxes, two oxen pulling a cart. So you can't, you know, you've got to keep them together. And actually that's the way it is because, you know, they, they do operate, they are operating together. It, it represents the way that our, our um, effective sense works. The effective sense works by receiving something and then resonating or responding with that. So you you sense something and then um, that's assimilated and the effect of that is assimilated. And you, you know you may feel a certain sort of arising of something when you first are touched by a sound or a sight or a thought. Something lifts up and then as it's assimilated. And you come back to a steady state again. Hmm? That, so that's calm in, in a very brief way. We're always doing this. You know, somebody says, What do you think about this, that, and the other? And give you a whole lot of ideas. You go, um, And you, you know, get the immediacy of all that stuff coming in. And then it takes you perhaps a second or two or longer to just. And as it, as it sort of settles, then. Oh, you know, you, from a calmer place or a more settled place, you respond. Hmm. So, one is so, so calm is something that's kind of normal. Really, we have a peripheral sense, which is the immediate impact, and as that's taken into a more central or core experience, we get the whole of it. We feel how we are with that, and then we come out with a response. You might say that's the core. So you get the Immediate or the surface reaction, a re- sense of that. It's let it distill. It goes in, reflect on it. It's held in a holistic sense, and there's a response. So there's a natural process in which we, we ideally, if we're not reacting, when the situation allows us that. We always, the system will always go to, to calm or some calm place in order to, to establish balance, in order to assess, in order to interpret, in order then to response comes from there. And when, so you can, of course, accentuate the degree of calming the length of time, the, 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 the way in which you spread your attention over an experience and uh, soften it, you can accentuate that. And with insight, is more accentuating the, the, the attention that that's dwells on assimilating or reflecting on it. Hmm? Both of those features occur in the mind but you might say you, you can accentuate. So, you know, for example, just simply something like breathing. You can know you're breathing, or you can really feel every every tingle of it. And the more fully you feel it, the more the tendency be to to have a more um, full and and calmed experience of that. And then you can reflect on it, which is knowing 
or the 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 movement of that. So you're not looking at the particular um, tone of the effect or quality of it, but just the fact that it's shifting and changing. We come to something like contemplating that in the bodily sense. <clears throat> well, obviously, one of the most striking bodily experiences is physical discomfort. <clears throat> so, a lot of this agreeable feelings, disagreeable feelings. So, when there are disagreeable feelings that are manageable, so you're not just stressed out and and uh, tensed up, you've got to be able to handle it and you can contemplate you know the, the pulses of that the, the throbbing of it the pulsing of it and with this your mind becomes more dispassionate less reactive less um, dejected or, or um, irritated or angry or frustrated by it all so you see the how one leads the contemplation of impermanence leads to the contemplation of fading and dispassion. <clears throat> but uh, the <clears throat> in order to to um, heighten that insight effect, you, it's, it's where it, it's the particular um, function or place, if you like, in, in jitta, which does the reflecting. You know, so as I said, that you can, the calming is really dealing with, or the way in which uh, a signal enters us. So if we, we can spread our, spread our attention over it, um, that tends to slow it down. It becomes calmer. That's one uh, one feature. We give it more time. And then the other feature is when, when we have, when it is held or when it, that uh, effect comes to a center where it's time to, to integrate and respond then that's held more fully like waiting pausing what is the real meaning of this and if that extending that feature of attention you recognize one thing that becomes obvious is well the thing shifting and changing so that very much affects my response now I feel less kind of reactive it's not so urgent it's not so uh, much an issue it's mm, like that and so so that that naturally also has a calming effect that's how calm and insight work together <coughs> Real um, difficulties. Why, why doesn't this happen all the time? Then, um, 
Well, for a start, first of all, it can be we don't actually, we're not able, for one reason or another, to to hold something with with adequate attention to allow it to calm. Um, and you realise that it can only travel into our reflective centre if it's if it's manageable. If it's if it, you know if it's manageable, if we can handle it. So at a certain level of pain, for example, physical pain, it doesn't go in. Your, your whole system just stiffens up, and won't, it was, it, you know, so you just get this kind of tight, defended state. The body stresses; it can't take it in to the core. It can't reflect on it. It can only defend itself against it. We notice this probably even more uh, uh, clearly in terms of our. Uh, emotions and mental reactions things come in if we get overwhelmed then things don't enter we don't reflect we react we can't the system won't can't do anything else but react we can kind of strategize our reactions to make them a bit more user friendly or polite but you basically you get the same reactive pattern one gets defensive dismissive um, counter thrusts, doesn't listen, shuts down, and so forth. You know, we don't really take it in because we have attention has not been able, for one reason or another, to really allow that the effect of that to travel into us, into the core. So when it doesn't travel in, it can't be reflected on. It just bounces at the, off the skin of the mind, if you might say. You just get a reaction. This happens a lot of the time. Either it hardly, you know, it doesn't get anywhere. It just immediately is deflected or reacted to. Or it gets a little bit, travels in a little way, and then there's a reaction of some kind. Like, this is enough. Can't manage. Boom. You know, and then bounces back. And we probably witness this, you know, this particular experience, a sense of something rebounding. Something in us either gets to the point where it was flustered and then rebound, bang it back. Or when, or you can witness it externally. You know, you're trying to put something across to somebody and they're not taking it in and they just, you know, start sidelining it, bluffing, uh, Evading, <laughs> count, replying, you know, counterattacking. You suddenly this thing has turned into an argument. Which, how does that happen? Or, you know, or or, or or the person isn't listening. So then maybe what? Well, I just you know I'll, what I'll do is not. She's not really listening. He's not really listening. I'll just go a bit louder or a bit stronger. Get it in there, and then oh, it looks like they're reacting even more. <laughs> Because of course, the harder you push, the the the, the more def- the more defended it gets. So this is pretty pretty uh, common in human uh, interactions, this kind of thing. Because it hasn't travelled to the place where it can be held, reflected on. An accurate response made, and uh, the feature of that, 
is that one recognizes the particular effect is changing. That is, if you hear disagreeable news or something, you feel the sense of the fear or the pain or the aversion. And, oh. and as that travels in, you're allowed to travel in, it comes into the center, it's slowed down and subsides, and it may take a you know, moment or two or longer even, and then, all right, okay, you settled. Because you, you actually see that that's, experience the change of it, and there's more dispassion. One comes from a quiet, centered place. And in that quiet center, it's more integrated because that quiet center um, has access to, to, to all the aspects of perception and thought, whereas in your reactive surfaces, you know, only a very limited uh, intelligence to them. They just have uh, fight, flight, or freeze. <laughs> oh, no, they either grab or resist or, you know, try not to feel it. So it's no wisdom there. So why don't things travel in? For a start, what is this inability? Well, it can be, you know, we say, well, the stimulation is too strong. Um, it, it, yeah, this, but what makes something also is, the rec- is uh, too strong for me. or too strong at this particular time. So, you know, you go to a um, building site or something, there's people wielding jackhammers and thumping and crashing and cursing each other and swearing and chucking bricks at each other. It's a normal day, nothing going wrong. Just <laughs> you know, somebody drops a spoon in the shrine room at Chithurst, they jump! <laughs> You know what? What happened? Because <laughs> uh, you know you get a lot less, uh, a lot less skin in this process, and also um, one's sense of centeredness, you know, gets established around particular qualities of of you know calm or so forth. You get used to. So you, you've got, you know, you, you come together around that. So actually people can feel, feel fairly calm and fo- focused in quite noisy, chaotic situations. You know, their, their center has, has, you know, been able to float in that. It, it can stay in that. It doesn't get thrown around by it. The real problem is that the, if you like, there's a there's a the, the center, this quiet, steady center, and the reactive surfaces separate from each other. You know, so it's like you, nothing really gets into your center to be assimilated. So it's just everything is just how to how to react, how to 
curtail, how to evade, how to um, let something slip over you, don't let anything in. Um, the centre then becomes quite uh, stale and, and, and stagnant, so that when things are not happening, we get very dull. You very dull, and then maybe when you things you things happen, then one has got all kinds of plans and strategies to avoid things getting into you, into one's mind, into one's heart. This sort of sad state of affairs is when somewhere we haven't really been able to, to, you know, cope or manage to assimilate some of the um, pangs that life brings. And of course, something that doesn't want to have things travelling into us, being stirred up, being um, having you know unpleasant things coming into us. We don't want that to happen. So some of the practice of meditation just, you know, I don't want this, but I'm going to do it. Because it's only that way that I'm really going to be able to, to, you know, find centeredness within the disturbing realm. Um, and <clears throat> I don't know, if one, if one can find that, then actually your centre is able to assimilate that. Like if you, you know, if you live in like a hothouse plant, so you'd only survive in a, in a, in a highly protected greenhouse somewhere, then one, one's immune system, one's packs up, if you like, your ability to actually assimilate weather um, decreases. System doesn't know how to do it, isn't isn't worked with it, too sheltered. If it's just thrown out in the cold all the time, the system just goes into shock <laughs> and it doesn't go in either. You know, just everything is seized up and you just become uh, shocked and defensive and, and strategized. So it's this kind of, you know, process of being able to take in some of the pleasure of the pain, steady it, know what you can manage, keep trying to work a little bit further, so coming out of the comfort zone a little bit, just a bit and can I make this can I also witness this as change and it will, although it is obviously coming out of comfort you know, nobody wants one part doesn't want to do that the uh, fact is that if we don't, we go stale, because the centre if you don't, if it's not exercised and trained, we get stagnant and dull and withdrawn and then uh, you know you don't feel very much but then you also you can't you just you can't really meditate you can't come alive you can't wake up Mm. so you know we need to integrate the whole that's the centre and the peripheral senses The beauty of it is, if that can occur, then, you know, as as in the lives of these, the Buddha and the great beings, can seem to stay centered and, you know, under all kinds of very testing circumstances, you know, death threats and violence and 
schisms and betrayals and accusations and it didn't seem to be a particularly cosy ride for any of them even the Buddha had quite a hard quite a lot of thumping by everybody wanted to put him down or do him in or something <laughs> so uh, you know he managed to sort of wasn't even aware of it either you can all the suttas and the vinya are full of these accounts so it is possible he wasn't you know, on retreat all the time. Now, when you, you know, practicing with Anapanasati is a way of um, integrating from, we might say, you know, the, the surface quality of just being affected into the central quality of assimilating, acknowledging, discharging, reflecting upon those effects, calm and insight. And uh, we come to just looking in the, in the bodily sense uh, without dealing with the more acute bodily uh, experiences, just the uh, staleness or tension or agitation, restlessness in the body, body's energies. This is where thoroughly sensitive to the entire body and then calming, tranquilizing, smoothing out the entire body so the energy flows are uh, steady, not stagnant, but flowing steadily. They're, they're alive, but they're not uh, roaring or, th- or thrashing. They're carved, but they're not frozen. They're just steadiness. Mm. This means that then the, we're less jumpy and that, or less uh, shut down. And this tone, you know, the mind picks up that tone. And that's the, the, uh, one of the central... Uh, points of Buddhist understanding. If your body tone gets right, then your heart tone is going to pick that up and get get settled. And the converse is also possible. So there's a <coughs> there's an exercise just with your breathing in, breathing out. You can contemplate. Um, we might say the periphery of the body, the surface of it, and the core of it um, in in terms of energy. So you come out to the skin, for example, there's a tingle, tingling at the edges, and then you come back in, right inside the body, it's much quieter. so, So you come inside your... Um, so your body core, the, the abdomen or the chest, you come out to the surfaces, it's much more tingling and uh, reactive there. As you focus in meditation on breathing, then rather than focus on even the particular parts of the body, just focus on those general senses. And it can be 
most obviously when you breathe out, everything tends to relax back into some core experience. I'm using the sense of core, you could call it ground or earthed, the kind of level that I call that core when the energy is discharged, it's quiet, it's subsided. And then when you breathe in, or the in-breath happens, there's a tendency for the sense of uh, extending and a little more energy is more active. It tingles, it flows, and you see a sense of almost energy starts reaching out, pushing out, streaming out. And you breathe in or breathe out, it relaxes again. So you get, just get those two qualities, you know, the, the steady state, you might say, and then the tingling or the, the more volatile sensitivities. And um, just connecting those two, because we can find ourselves um, through the whole process of where we place ourselves, you know, we, whether we place ourselves on the, on the tingle, you know, which is then tends towards uh, over over-involvement, over-activity, you know, tends that way. Or we place ourselves in, in the centre, which tends towards withdrawal and under-activity. And you may find yourself, you know, wanting one or the other, shifting one or another. And maybe those things are chronic or temporary. But ideally, try to flow from one to the other, so you see the both, or you feel the both the quietness, and you can rest in that. And then you can also allow those um, the movement and the sense of tingling and brightening to occur. So you, and then you can relax that. Uh, and this, in fact, this might be take a little bit more attention because we may find that uh, actually we don't really relax. We don't come away from the, the, that, that tingle edge we're, you know, we're quite there a lot of the time. So, you know, or you don't really come out in this sort of rather, um, you know, steady, but, but or not steady, but slightly numb or, or, or abysmal state, withdrawn or more, more strongly. So the, the spreading of attention is to be encouraged. Mm. So if you find yourself more hyper or more active in mood tone, contemplating, is it possible to contemplate how that changes and shifts and what prevents it? Shifting. What keeps one there? Um, sometimes there's a sense of loss of contact. You know, if I'm not out there, I don't know where I am. I lose contact. Uh, I need something to, to be engaged with. Hmm. Uh, so to do or to think or to say or to feel or to get involved with. And something, otherwise I don't feel, I feel I haven't got any ground. I don't know where I am. These are not intellectual conclusions. These are just like emotive senses of dis-ease at stillness. 
uh, it seems like I'm not not nothing there or no contact with anything. So therefore, in such cases, one has to really, uh, you know, encourage and extend attention to the places of stillness. Just for example, the endings of the breath. The presence of the body in stillness. And then recognize that that naturally by itself that changes and it shifts into the more activated state again. And you know, you don't have to do anything, it happens by itself. So you don't lose anything. And it's only just encouraging that. You know, contact and the arising of things happens. It may be also the case on the opposite where, where we um, <clears throat> really find it, don't want to breathe in almost, a sense of don't let me be here, you know, oblivion, you know, I just want to stop. Everything is, is too much. Mm. You know, we can't come out to our skin, you know, we can't open the eyes, can't walk, can't, I can only sort of sit and try to find a place that something in me wants to just actually close down and huddle. Not be touched. So, breathing in, breathing out, recognize, you know, all that, you can breathe out. There can be the subsiding of that. Encouraging to 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 just come to the edges of being affected. This is, you know, it's actually it's surprising because uh, such a simple thing apparently is, is quite profound because we, um, <clears throat> you notice when you when you haven't been used to it or you're not acclimatized to affect being affected, one is affected very strongly. No. So you can't, can't take very much. Uh, and similarly, if you're used to doing and being busy, too much stillness, one starts to feel really strange. Yeah. And it's a, there's a, something almost instinctive that, you know, gets so bored and flat and stagnant in this stillness. And do something, you know, it's just pick my nose or something. <laughs> you know, so you, there's kind of wobble. Of, uh, of twitch or, or fear mm. and really just kind of coming to that that's that's the boundary can I just be spacious and attend <coughs> attend right at the boundary of where I feel comfortable not, not asking myself to be right out there or to stay, shut up but just can I can I come to that boundary of the, the edge of the, the wobbliness or the twitchiness and just, Attend there, calming there, reassuring there. So he's always like extending those those boundaries a millimeter, an inch, a moment at a time. You can and then you can assimilate, depending on what you need to assimilate. We need to actually come to terms with um, a lo- what seems to be aloneness from uh, when one has been more interactive. It seems so alone and and sometimes quite 
lifeless. You know? Well, don't don't go all the way in there, because <laughs> you can you know find yourself getting into a very difficult pattern. We're just to the edge of that, and things like calming, brightening, warming, encouraging, breathing in, breathing out. There, you know, it's okay, and you can then letting go a bit can happen a bit more in that in that sense. Doing walking meditation, you know, we've got some sense of something perhaps more um, obviously uh, tangible to adhere to. Mm. Mm, practicing with the arising, that which arises, the sense of tingle. Mm. Often we need to be quite spacious and uh, um, give ourselves time with that. If you tend to be rather more, when either as a person or at this particular time, one's tendency is to be a little more, don't want to be touched. And, you know, can we come to a place where we take in a little bit of that and assimilate it? So getting the whole pattern of the body energy in this way. So this is the whole body. It's not it doesn't mean the bones and the teeth. It means that the whole this sensed body, the complete um, extensions of it from the the active state to the silent state. In a bodily sense, we're not activated state to the reposed or quiet state. So this is where the calm and insight really, you know, come together because it's both knowing, knowing where the wisdom to know where you you need to work to contemplate the change of that till it becomes fading and dispassionate and uh, a sense of the, the edge of that is, not, is no longer intense and held. And then, oh, realize gradually, little by little, some of these habits stop. And in Bodhisattva, we don't have to pick them up again you really recognize a new pattern of being. You don't have to go back. You can completely relinquish that old sense of where one was or who one was. Mm. 